Holy God, help us to hear your call to us. In the name of the one who gives us hope, amen. Well, good morning, all saints. I'm glad that you all have braved the cold weather, and hopefully you had a great snow day as we come to celebrate the second Sunday in Advent. Our gospel reading for today introduced us to John the Baptist. The mere eight verses that we read this morning don't provide us much detail about him. We don't know how old he is or his religion, and in fact... The writer of Mark doesn't even bother to mention that John is biologically related to Jesus. We do, however, learn that John is preaching his message not on a soapbox in a city square, but instead his pulpit is in the wilderness, and he sustains his body on a steady diet of bugs and wild honey. Despite his location off the beaten path, we learned that people sought him out in droves. People from the countryside and people from the city alike, like bees drawn to nectar, they go out into the wilderness to hear John's message. To our modern ears, this may seem odd, following a man into the wilderness who has a bad sense of fashion. Camel's hair, really? in an unauthorized and unconventional temple from which he preached. But let's make no mistake. It's not John's eloquence that brought people to him. It was his message. He preached a message so radical that John had to leave the main square in order to share his good news. You see, John was telling an oppressed group of people a people who were living under the domination and reign of a foreign dictator, that a new leader is coming. He was preaching a message that a new world was on its way. And so as the people gathered in the wilderness temple, John proclaimed a gospel about a God, about a leader who would bring liberty, justice, freedom, and peace. John prophesied of a future world where the valleys of inequity are filled and mountains of greed are made low, where uneven playing fields are made level and where we study war no more. This was his message, a message so powerful that it drove even the most dignified of people to get in a muddy river Jordan and be baptized. In the midst of his preaching about this new world, John makes a few things clear. In his crying out, he tells the people to prepare the way of the Lord. In other words, he says to them they actually have to do something for this new world to come. It's not enough for them to simply long for a new world. Indeed, my siblings in Christ It's simply not enough for us to long for better times. John's preaching compels us to move beyond reading thought pieces and watching intriguing documentaries about how the world could change. 
Now, John's message is clear. It is that if we want a world that is harassment-free, if we want to live in a society that loves and cares for all of her children, if we want a city where the public school education for Atlanta's poorest children is as good as the education for Atlanta's wealthiest children, In fact, if we simply want to have peace in our homes, then friends, we have to do something. We have to prepare the way. It's clear to me that preparing the path for God to do what God does best, bringing about restoration to the broken and hope to the despair, beauty in exchange for grief. In order for us to have this, we have to follow John's most famous lines. We didn't hear them today, but if you keep reading, you will. He says it time and time again, friends, repent, repent. Now hear me. Repentance is not the same as having simple remorse or regret. Repentance is not about listing all the things that you wish you had done differently, and it's not about shame or guilt. John's call for us to prepare the way by repenting, it's about doing something differently about how we engage the world. Repentance is about movement, about turning, about letting ourselves be grasped by God and moved in new directions to new bearing and new ground. And so if we want a better world, we have to repent. Let me tell you a story. Almost 10 years ago, when I was new to the city, when Marta was only a buck 75 and you could still use tokens, I still have some, I decided to hop on the train at Avondale Estates to go into downtown. While I was waiting on the platform for the train, I watched an older man descend the steps, walk by me, And then he promptly got on the floor and curled up in a fetal position. He was facing the tracks, his back was to us and everyone on the platform, so I couldn't see his face, but I could hear him crying. After a few moments, someone went to him and gingerly poked him in the back. I overheard the brief conversation. The bystander said, sir, are you okay? And he responded, no, I have to get to Grady. They just called. My wife died. In return, the bystander simply said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, sir. When the train arrived, the people who were getting off the train, they just stepped over him, and several people who were on the platform with us headed for a different train car, when they saw the old man making his way onto the train. For a while as we rode, he just kept his head down and continued to sob. It was awkward for all of us, I think. No one was really sure what to do or or where to look. But there was some kind soul who did come and sit next to him and gave him a tissue. Then the strangest thing and most beautiful thing occurred. After blowing his nose, the old man started singing ever so softly 
I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I've got the month of May. And then a few people who were close to him began to chime in and they said, well, I guess you'd say, what can make me feel this way? And y'all, I kid you not, the entire train car jumps in full throat, myself included, and we sing, my girl, my girl, talking about my girl. And the diehard Temptation fans on the train, they carried that song for the old man, singing each verse with all of us chiming in on the chorus, my girl, my girl, talking about my girl. People got onto the train and they joined in the singing and others left the train taking that song with them. And most people that day, They had no idea what was going on with that grieving man who stepped off the train at the Grady stop. He had tears streaming down his face as he turned and mouthed thank you to a train car full of singing strangers. And the doors closed as he went to say goodbye to his girl. My friends, Even in our darkest hours, even when the grief of life overwhelms us, John the Baptist calls us to get up off the MARTA platform, to to get up and to turn in another direction against hopelessness and fear, away from anger and paralyzing guilt. Instead, John the Baptist, and therefore God, calls us to get ready for a new thing, a new world, and a new way. So my friends, this day, I invite you to prepare the way of the Lord. Let's beat back the bushes of fear and grumbling. Let's take down the brambles of hopelessness and lies. I invite you to prepare the way and to no longer be stagnant in broken relationship or long-held grudges. I invite you to prepare the way, no longer satisfied with the status quo that leaves some people sleeping under bridges or in the doorways of our church. I invite you, dear friends, in the lines of John the baptizer to repent, to turn towards a new kind of world where forgiveness reigns and love, sweet love, abounds. Amen.